0: Live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 539. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today I have my regular co-host Matt Longeth. Today is Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I
1: have to say I'm a little sad.
0: You now you
1: wake up, you think you make some improvements to the home lab. You put a brisket on the grill so that it's it's ready for the weekend, and you think you get some things accomplished and, and whatnot. And then you look at our guest, right? He's, he's a blogger. He's obviously a prolific article with, with the Be uh, Realized Network Insight Cookbook. Uh, he's helped out so much here with our, our V Expert program. And then I look down at my stream deck and remind myself that he, he did a plug-in for with a Stream Deck with with all of, that I use every day with, for Zoom, so you just think you, you do enough in the day, and then you see someone like our guests that really takes it up to the next level, and I'm sure we'll get out to all of that here soon enough. But how are you, sir? How are things out there, and what's the color of the bay? So, so
0: you're saying that you have tech envy, right? You're like jealous of uh, Martin's, you know, productivity, right? That's what you're saying. I,
1: yeah, just general productivity. It's just like, man, the, the amount of content and just overall goodness that, that Martine puts out in the community, I'm just really envious of.
0: Actually, uh, we'll get to our guest in a second. I would say that uh, Martin Smith actually cloned himself a few years ago. And so there's actually like 17 of him running around at any given time. So don't be fooled. He's not that productive. Just got a lot of him. Today uh, on the show, we're going to be talking to uh, Martin Smith on a great topic, which was VMware Smart. Nick or the industry smart Nick where it is all about smart Nick. And then we have project Monterey and Martin's done a great blog. But before we get to that, I'll tell you it has been windy and rainy here. Uh, All everything in my backyard flipped upside down. All my bicycles blew over. It has been super windy. I think it's heading across America. So a lot of crazy weather going on and uh, we've had power outages and general stormy weather in California. So the Bay is super dark and muddy and choppy. It's been kicked up. We've just had a lot of wind going on. And speaking of that and the lack of power, maybe we should still ha- say hello to Martin. And uh, Martin, I know that uh, you've had some power challenges of your own this week.
2: Yes, I did. Um, there was a massive explosion at one of my distribution centers like in, in, in the district um and right now i'm actually have uh, i'm happy to have lights and, and things and be able to talk to you but there's uh, a noisy generator just down the street to make that happen
0: <laughs> wow wow that's uh, that's super cool power in a box i think you said that they brought in like a shipping container and then spun up power for the neighborhood
2: yeah yeah uh, it's uh it's like a regular container but it's just like there's a generator inside. Uh, it's it's making a lot of noise. Luckily, you cannot hear it, but uh, the the next door neighbors are definitely losing some some sleep. I think. Oh. Um, but yeah. Power in a box. Kind of cool. Box.
0: That's kind of cool all right uh so before we get to the show which is obviously uh we're running on friday because you didn't have any power on wednesday so sorry to everybody that was expecting to to hear us live uh we're we're doing it friday morning because now you have power in a box uh news news that's going on at vmware um i don't know if i have any news matt um you know i've asked uh what's what's the deal with pat Gelsinger and that they haven't heard any updates you know they're just Moving forward with looking for a new uh, a new CEO, and I think, uh, and then there was going to be a VMworld announcement. Because but because Pat, uh, ha, you know, is moving on to Intel, I think they're pausing to make the announcement on key dates for VMworld as they, you know, try to settle out what's happening with uh, with our our new CEO, if we if we're going to have one, and what's their their availability. Uh, so the from a news perspective, I don't know if there's been much else.
1: Vware, excuse me, the expert applications have finally wrapped. Uh, the voting is in progress and I believe that we're scheduled to do announcements here uh, right before Valentine's day. So for our international listeners, there the February 14th um, that we should have an announcement in and around that time frame. So thank you for those that have applied uh, and we're moving forward with all of that. As we've, previously discussed any previous v expert from last year where given the situation with COVID if you were awarded that designation in 2020 you will be carry that designation for 2021 and we will be reviewing net new applicants for uh, the designation for 2021.
0: Excellent! Excellent! Very nice! Very nice! Good job to every all the VExpert pros and everybody that's processing the apps. Really appreciate that. Um, so okay. Move, moving on from news to our guest, our guest Martin Smith has been on our show multiple times, talking about you know networking. And Matt, you gave him a good introduction, so I'll just run over to Martin. Uh, Martin, why don't you uh, give us the one-minute elevator pitch? Uh, how long you been at uh, working in the VMware ecosystem, and what do you work on?
2: Sure, sure. So my uh, my name is Martin. Um, I have been working in IT for quite a long time. Honestly, too long to remember. It's it's over uh, uh, 18, 19 years or something like that. Uh, same with VMware. I I started at uh, ESIX or no, GSX uh, two dot something. Uh, so that's been been there for a while. Um, I'm currently working at VMware at the mothership, as I like to call it, uh, for about
0: four and a half years now.
2: Yeah, and I'm, uh, I used to be in a networking uh, system solutions engineer, uh, and now I'm in the technical marketing team for Real Life Network Insight. But basically, everything is still revolving around networking uh, because that still makes the internet happen, and that intrigues me the most, uh, most part of it. And one of the uh, the the most um, subject that's not gotten enough attention is monitoring and, uh, and analytics and troubleshooting hence that i'm working with uh fearless network insight
0: thanks Nice. All right. And then uh, today we're going to be talking about the blog article that you came out with, which is Smart Nicks. And so uh, we always start with it from an industry perspective. Why don't you tell us the history kind of, I, I read your blog a little bit, uh, Amazon and AW, with Amazon doing AWS, they were involved with, a, why don't you explain Smart, Dick, Smart Nick concepts uh, and how it got started. Then we'll get into Project Monterey and what VMware is doing in it and uh, then we'll wrap up. So yeah, why don't you start us out with uh, what the what is this concept?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, well, one of the things that I also want to say set straight, and I did not provide enough history in that blog article, and I'm I'm trying to revamp it uh, to include that history. But smart nicks have been around for a very very long time. Um, I I've even found references back to the uh, the 1999s. Um, so for a pretty, pretty long time. Um, I used to use them with a company that I was working for, a service internet provider, uh, where we had uh, back in 2012, where we were using these SmartNICs in order to optimize the streaming services that we had. Uh, but basically, if just in a nutshell, a SmartNIC is a computer on the actual network interface. Instead of plugging a NIC into your server and then exposing that NIC to your OS, so you would have either Featureware or just Linux or Windows running on it, the NIC translates into a NIC on that OS, right? That's, that's what we used to. The smart NIC is basically a way to segregate that. So you have these, this, this NIC, you put it in a server, you plug in cables, but after that, the SmartNIC is the first hop, if you will. So the, the, the ports go into the SmartNIC, and then you can decide what happens to the traffic, uh, the, what happens to the network topology before you present it to the OS. So it's in, essentially, it's, it's a way of virtualizing your, um, your, your, your network card with the same benefits that you would have if you were to vir- virtualize a server. I mean, you can segregate uh, traffic and connections between different parts of the OS. You can implement security, uh, just like um, VMware has done with NSX and microsegmentation and all that. But that moves towards the the NIC itself instead of the OS. So it's it's kind of an extra security enclave that prevents outside people to coming into the OS. Yeah, that, that's pretty much in a, in a, in a nutshell I, what
0: it I, is. I have a question, technical question, as long as we're you know just in the conscience Please. here, uh, which is what's the CPU that they're putting? Are they putting like an ARM CPU there? What are they, what are they actually running as a CPU on the on the NIC itself? There are
2: different uh, different variations, but the ones that you basically see in the news right now are mostly ARM based. Um, but I mean ARM is really getting powerful, right? Um, uh, if, if you look at the uh, the Raspberry Pis that are out there and the fact that you can run vSphere on Pis now as well is pretty cool. And they're pretty performant as well. I mean, um, the amount of uh, CPU cycles that, that you can grab out of these these ARM uh, CPUs are pretty big. Uh, but that's, that's one form. But there are a lot of vendors uh, out there that are doing different things there are also um, uh, FPGA-based, um, so basically like mm. the, the same CPUs as you would find on a GPU. Right.
0: Uh,
2: those are there as well. Um,
0: okay, so I that- don't
2: think there are any x86 ones, but uh, ARM, ARM is pretty much the, the, right. the most ones.
0: Right, which uh, kind of defines the smart device market anyway. That nowadays, if you have a smart device, it's usually got an ARM chip on it, and it's you know got an, a little OS on it, and it's it's smart, right? So, what OS are they running? Like a typical typical environment, pretty much
2: vendor-based OS. So uh, right now, uh, and that's also pretty cool about the Project Monterey, but we'll we'll get into that later. But uh, right now, if you buy a SmartNIC, you just get the OS from the vendor where you buy it. So, if you buy an Intel one or a Broadcom one or a Mellanox one, you would get the OS uh, from that um, that vendor itself, uh, which has its benefits and it's like pros and cons uh, because some vendors have more software than the others. The other ones have more performance than the others. So, you would have to look at what you want to do and what what fits. Um my use case is the most um so for for example um vMware has uh, done an agreement with pensando pensando yeah, I think I said that right um which is a vendor that has their own os and to me that's the most elaborate one that they've got um that's uh, that's out there uh they do all kinds of networking uh, things.
0: All right. So that's that's kind of defining the architecture here. We've got a, a board. We got uh, an ARM chip on it. We got, uh, obviously, Ethernet chips or whatever the chipsets are that are doing the networking. They're all connected together. The vendor gives you a Gives you a um, an operating system there, and all of a sudden now, or a mini operating system, and now you have a smart Then you got a management interface, I guess, that you would have to then talk to that smart NIC and then do the configurations and so forth. Is there any kind of standards in how you're you're interacting with the smart NIC to to do the configurations?
2: There are. Um, I've just not seen that executed very well um so that there are some standards in the ietf uh, that can be followed to uh, to implement those things um like api based uh, communication and conversation towards those smart things uh, but typically you also get a management suite with these uh, these smart things um, so for example pensando has one of these management suites where you can just configure all the uh, the networking settings and all the um, the security settings that you want to do on your fleet of um, uh, of smart Think of it like you get a vCenter uh, with yeah. your smart to manage
0: all of them. Right. All right. That makes sense. Right. And uh, under- understand that. So uh, so then with that, um, maybe we should talk a little bit about the challenges and why VMware is stepping into this space. Right. So.
2: Yeah, and I think the previous things that that we mentioned, what that we talked about, is exactly why VMware is stepping into this uh, this place and uh, should step into this uh, space. Uh, is is because of the management. Um, like, just bear with me a little bit. Um, before VMware, before ESXi. We had like all of these different servers and all of the different OSs that had different management tools and different UIs and, and everything like that, right? So a system administrator had to know a lot, a lot of different OSs, a lot of different ways to uh, to configure things, etc. Then vSphere came along, uh, unified or universalized, if that's a word, um, the uh, the management plane for that compute environment, right? So you you would just have a vSquare cluster, um, uh, put in the VMs and then deliver the VMs to your your application admins or whoever. Um, That same premise is exactly what I see Project Monterey or VMware being able to do, bring to this space. Because there are so many of the SmartNIC vendors, there are a lot of different ways to manage them, and a lot of different ways to configure them, um, and a lot of different features as well. Different vendors have different features, um, but VMware is, I think, the one that actually can bring that together and just make make a vCenter uh, for those those smart things and and allow you to uh, to really easily manage them. Um, Martin, prior to uh, Monterey, let's say I had a SmartNIC
1: that, from one of these vendors and a 6.7 cluster. Could I pass those services along to a VM? Was that something that was supported?
2: There was one option to do pass-through. Um, basically, what you get is uh, a SmartNIC provides uh, VNICs, basically virtual NICs to the OS. That becomes your VM NICs inside a vSphere host. Uh, and then you can also use the pass through mechanism inside vSphere to pass that along to the, uh, to the VM itself. Um, it's going to be a lot of conversation, a lot of, lot of hard overhead, overhead <laughs> uh, work to get that sorted out for every, to give every single VM their own VNIC. I mean, um, yeah, that's going to be very hard if you don't have that universal management plane in, uh, in place.
1: And you would be limited to just VMs on that particular host, would you not?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, basically, what you would have to have is like an, an universal configuration that that has every single smart NIC configure the same way, and that whenever a VM vMotion somewhere else, it needs to be the conversation needs to be present there as well. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a a lot of overhead, I think. So how to go back
1: to Monterey, how does now that change? what we're, or now are we transitioning to how now are we more virtualizing that interface of how it's presented to the individual VMs? yeah let
2: me let me first uh, draw the disclaimer that I'm not in the Monterey team um, so i'm I'm kind of doing the wistful thinking uh, exercise here. Uh, but basically, what, uh, what Kit Colbert announced uh, with Project Mount Monterey is that we're going to uh, get VTWare and NSX uh, on, on top of these, uh, these smart Um It's just all, I mean, at some point, it's all containerized, right? So
1: yeah. It, yeah. It's a containerized workload that we just shift over to that ARM chip.
2: Yeah, and personally, I'm not that convinced about the vSphere use case, but I'm very, very excited about the NSX use case because that solves the entire like management uh, with different vendors. And so it doesn't matter which smart you buy anymore in that case, it'll, it'll just work because uh, NSX will work on, on those different smart NICs. Uh, but basically what they're trying to do is... Um, if you insert NSX as a sort of a module within one of these SmartNICs, you can have the SmartNIC redirect traffic, certain traffic uh, towards NSX. Um, so whether that be the uh, the overlay network uh, that we also know already with, with NSX and being able to uh, create those logical networks and separating them within um, VXLAN and and Geneve, Um, so that type of traffic would be redirected to to the NSX uh, module, uh, uh, if you will, so that NSX can do the logical networking already inside the uh, SmartNIC, instead of having to do that on the OS. So that's offloading, basically, so you don't have to bother the actual, the host CPU with that anymore, you can just have the SmartNIC do that. Um, so when, when
1: you say the, the OS, are we looking at kernel is at the hypervisor that we're extracting that from or OS at the VM level or, or potentially both? Uh,
2: potentially both, yeah. So if you do pass through, then it's the VM. But if it's uh, like a regular quote-unquote uh, uh, environment, feature environment, then uh, the NSX part will not have to be running on the kernel inside the hypervisor anymore uh, because that's taken care of before it actually even enters the hypervisor, which also means that the hypervisor will become more secure because you have that security enclave before. Um, and I, I also think that that's like the major use case that that will make this, um, make the smart nix what it will become. Um, so security, right? Um, right now, NSX, Network virtualization. Every single network virtualization technology does it in the hypervisor kernel, um, meaning that the traffic has to come to the hypervisor. If it can come to the hypervisor, it um, makes it vulnerable. Yeah, sometimes you can hack it uh, if the if the kernel is not um, uh, not properly uh, or if there's some ver- vulnerability um, being discovered, which unfortunately sometimes still happens. Um, but if you can do that security um, um, if you can use that security enclave to prevent uh, the traffic coming even into the hypervisor and there's just putting down a, uh, a firewall inside the smartNIC instead of the hypervisor um, you would have an extra protection layer there you would Potentially be, um, and I know this is quite a con- controversial term, but you would potentially be able to air gap your hypervisor from the rest of the network. Um, yeah, it's really
1: not east west. It's not north south. It's it's intra. Yeah. It's OS to, to hypervisor. It's a it's a whole new level of walled garden or enclave. It's it's really interesting.
2: Yeah, it's PCI bus um, traffic, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you have that security in place, then you can make a lot of things more secure. And if you have NSX doing that security for you, like the management of NSX, you will be able to go into like a vCenter or NSX manager itself and just configure the security settings for all of your smart NICs via NSX, and then have it in the same plane as your VM security, as your uh, cloud security with NSX Cloud, uh, the container stuff that NSX does, um, just have everything centralized management-wise, of course.
1: And then I, I, maybe this is the time to transition, but once that you're, you're now at that level of analysis and now knowing where all of the traffic goes from even outside of the hypervisor level, what additional resources does that give something like Verni? Uh, be realized network insights to allow um, machine learning, AI, other additional security sets. Now that we have that extra level of analysis of what the network traffic is.
2: Yeah, and that's a very um, exciting topic as well. Um, so. Most of the smart NIC vendors already have very significant uh, visibility into the traffic that goes through those NICs. They they essentially do um, do deep packet inspection on all, all of the traffic that goes through it, and do it on a such a way that it's actually line rate. So, uh, if you have a 40 gig NIC, you can push 40 gig uh, traffic through it and have the deep packet inspection. I mean. There's going to be some, some differences here and there, depending on what kind of net, uh, traffic there, uh, the, it goes through. But the, it's, it's ingrained into the, uh, the, um, the, the, the programming of the SmartNIC to get that visibility in there, meaning that you can grab that visibility. Um, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not quite there yet, but I'm lobbying for a, a proof of concept with, uh, with SmartNICs and V and I. Uh, to be able to use that that deep uh, uh, insights and then just put that into V and I and also allow you to show the the traffic and an, uh, analyze the traffic there. Uh, but basically you have an an unlimited feed of the traffic that goes through it and you don't have to push it through an agent or a worker VM, or like a, um, a different type of appliance in order to get that visibility, which we we have to do right now, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that, that opens up a whole new world of um, being able to see what actually happens with that traffic.
1: I see from your blog article, and again, we've, we've talked and mentioned about this blog article, but it's available over in your domain, lostdomain.org. And we talked about the Pensando brand and those you had called out specifically uh, two cards. And even at the lesser of the two cards was 50 gig L4 stateful uh, with 2 million routes at only 20 watts. Yep. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. I mean, I could think of, you know, not too long ago where that was um, chassis backplane core switches
2: type throughput. And now it's in a smart nick. Yep. I um I used to manage those things. Um, they were pretty much uh, thirty u high in Iraq, right? So almost yeah, as high as the big
1: soup engines. You know, yeah. sounded like an aircraft
2: carrier when it was tr- starting up and huge uh, power. Needed a couple more of these uh, these generator containers to actually run it uh, instead of uh, yeah. It's. It, it's it's ridiculous how how quick we've uh, we've gone from like massive boxes into one of these small 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 chips yeah.
0: That's one of the, the things that I want to address, and I, I know I'm not I'm kind of a novice when it comes to networking, but it's kind of like, all right, we had Cisco switches, we had these big switches, we had iOS running on them, which gave you all the capability that, you know, that you, can, you could have. Then we kind of moved into the, well, just do it in NICs in your in your box, right? And now it's kind of like, well, a smart NIC basically is one of these things just on a card, right, that, that you know, you, you could have had a one U and put it, put it, put it there with power on it and it would still be a smart NIC it just wouldn't be connected to the PCI bus or whatever the whatever your interface is to your CPU but fundamentally this is less like another a full operating switch that plugs into your PCI bus now and uh, and and you have an operating system you have a, you have a CPU on it and and now we're talking about putting ESX over there so that we can run as NSX uh, but fundamentally I could I could put that thing in a little black case and put it in a rack cuz it's really you know, a fully functioning switch, right? That's yep. just got a lot of yep. power, it,
2: right? Yeah, even a lot more than that. I mean, it can do load balancing, uh, it can do firewalling, it could do routing, um, basically a lot more than those big switches that we used to have, uh, Matt. <laughs> right,
0: but um, we get the savings that it ends up in a, in a, in, a, in my my server, plugged into the power bus you know, and then talks to my CPU. But now I have separation between the operating system environment and, and virtualization environment, everything that's running in my server and what's running on this little switch that's now plugged into my server, right? And so a fully separate environment. And now, yep, we're gonna run ESX on it so that we can then run an NSX payload on top of that and then have that full functioning NSX switch as a, as a NIC card.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it also has like uh, a very good reason, right? Um, like before we moved the networking functions into the uh, the X eighty uh, six boxes, we had it on specialized ASICs. So like the uh, the, the the chips that are on the uh, the switch basically. Um, that those ASICs were function built for just switching traffic or routing traffic. Um, So we moved that into the servers uh, to make it more flexible primarily. So we wanted to be able to do virtual networking, uh, firewalling just by by using NSX or something. Um, But that kind of switched us from using purpose-built ASICs for a couple of functions into a general purpose-built CPU. Meaning that certain functions did slow down. I mean, if if you were um, um, a streaming, um, uh, if, if you were a streaming vendor that uh, that went from hardware networking to software networking, you would see a small degradation in in performance. I mean, you go from purpose-built to general build, so yeah, that, that that's gonna that's gonna happen. And now we're actually moving forward and combining the two. So combining a general purpose um, software, so software that can do anything, but doing that on a purpose-built chip. Um, and The ASICs inside those smartNICs NICs um, are purposely built for networking, meaning that we get the flexibility of the software uh, approach that we did with the virtual networking uh, uh, trend. But we get the performance of the, uh, the the good old day days if you will.
0: That makes sense. yeah, I could see that right yep yep yep. So it's kind of bringing them both together and then and uh, allowing that in a, in a box. Plug plug into a server. Um, So we were talking, VMware is doing this with this one vendor. Do we expect the industry to do more of this? Like, will there be other vendors? And then, you know, we can't say what VMware is going to do, but I would assume that this will turn into an industry that this approach can be done with multiple vendors, uh, Nix.
2: Oh, yeah i i fully expect um like i i, I called out pensando uh kit colbert
1: says one that's compatible right now at least yeah some of the reference architecture that's been out there for the project
2: yeah so it, it's just like a getting a slow start and working closely with like one or two vendors getting the architecture in place getting it working i mean um I've not seen a demo yet, so I'm not sure if it's actually working already. Um, and then once that's in place, then just treat it like the uh, the hardware compatibility list that we did with with feature. Just just chugging along with adding all of the vendors, testing them, see if everything works, and then just get a, a massive list of um, of vendors where you can run NSX or feature or how it ever ends up calling. <laughs>
1: Martin, you had brought this up earlier, and, and I think I I will say that my understanding of this is, is limited. And it's obviously it's a progressing topic, but the idea that we could run vCenter or vCenter-like services um, on these smart NICs. And you'd said that that you were a little concerned about what the use case might be there, or or you're understanding what the use case. I have I have some thoughts and ideas of upgrades and robo use cases and whatnot but what's your take on that how how would you might see this being extended now that we can use this arm platform and with these services being containerized what other workloads outside of networking services um, can we start to expect to, to maybe think about putting on on these smart nicks now that it's an arm-based platform and I, Eric I'd open that up to you I mean what, what else can can we expect to see now, and it, it's it's ARM, at it's core, right? And we have ESXi now on, on ARM, what other workloads can we see um, potentially put all into these
2: NICs? When it comes to those workloads, I don't think we will really be seeing anything other than networking related ones. <clears throat> um, so one example that I, that I do have, which is um, um, back in 2012, I had my first interaction with us with the SmartNIC, and the reason why is because we wanted to uh, speed up those streaming uh, services that I talked about. So what we actually did is we put a small piece of software inside the kernel of that SmartNIC, so it was like just installing something on the SmartNIC that would serve the um, the, um, the the stream outside. So a user would connect to uh, to that server and. The smartNIC would serve up the uh, the actual stream that we wanted to show them. Um, so I would imagine those types of use cases being being done on on those smartNICs when you start to virtualize them and, and turn it into a hypervisor. Um, but the reason why I'm I, I'm kind of skeptical is because those are like the only use cases that I see, um, and I I'm. I'm probably missing something. I'm, I'm i mean, it's progressing. Um, uh, my imagination is also limited. Uh, so there, there's probably gonna be organizations that's that's gonna prove me wrong. Um, I'm just curious what you would want to do on a right. purpose-built uh, NIC that's yeah. not networking-related and right. not put that on the general purpose.
0: Right. general GP so a uh, couple thoughts uh, in this space uh, one I think that we need uh, Martin number yeah. number 12 because he knows a lot more about this space than I think you're Martin number eight here so it's you know it's hard to know which Martin we're actually working with but um, we, we need to make the, the
1: <laughs> API
0: call to the rate right Martine yeah, right Martine to get that answer right uh, a couple, couple ideas um, when we start talking about obviously firewall and the firewall logic that can be pushed out there, but that's just part of NSX that, but that's that's a market that, you know, that's obviously going to run there right and we 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 manage that but then if you go up the stack a little bit maybe container networking services so maybe when you get into complex microservices and you know the connections between those maybe there's something that we can do there and then it, it gets one level up which is service mesh right and like service mesh management like what are you doing so some of the some of this core functionality might get pushed to the to the outside to the NIC, right to to manage traffic or manage connections between services before they end up in your cpu but i tend to agree with you Martine. it's not like there's a, a large number of things we're going to be doing with these things other than really networking functionality to connect services maybe
2: yeah and i mean the the resources on these smart things are not unlimited right i mean mm-hmm. um there are quite small think of the, think of it as a raspberry pi i think the largest one that i've seen had uh 24 gigs of memory um and maybe a dual core cpu so you don't want to put everything on it and um like your example with uh, surface mesh is, is is pretty interesting because i was like maybe yes maybe no and mostly because you would run the actual applications on the regular CPU, but then if you were to run the connection on the SmartNIC, you would create basically a, 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 a hairpin between the regular CPU and the SmartNIC right. CPU uh, to, to have that connection being established. So it, it would depend on how quick that's going to be, um, right. but I, I would definitely like to see numbers for that. Type of thing, but I, I need to get a smart Nick on my uh, in my lab first.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think that I think that conversation, Matt, to answer your question is no, probably not a lot of crazy stuff. Just you know, they're they're smart Nicks. They're going to be smart Nicks, right? That that, but then managing and then dumping NSX there and letting NSX run on the smart Nick. There's advantages there, and that's the big move here, right? Less about I think ESX is really about just running NSX. To your point, Martine, right? like that's why we did that, right? And it's easy to put there, right?
1: So if you wanted to use it, it, and again, I have no knowledge of this and someone can say this is absolutely wrong. It's for conversation at this point. But let's say if we wanted to stage uh, an upgrade for uh, a vSAN witness, we have it running on it. We're now distributing these NICs potentially all over the place because we can get near wireline speed. So in a robo use case, you could potentially see where you would move, have a redundancy for that vSAN witness. Obviously we can do it now on on ESXi on ARM, where we've seen that now where we can run that vSAN witness on a Raspberry Pi. Can we shift it over temporarily to the NIC if we need to upgrade the primary witness so we don't lose redundancy? I don't know, it's just, it's a concept. And then can you scale that in temporary use cases where you could do something like vCenter, because you could see vCenter running on ARM on smaller size, like small deployment, edge use cases for, for vCenter. Maybe, I have no idea. I'm just, <laughs> I'm throwing it out there.
2: No, it, 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 it is an interesting one. I, I would say the, uh, the VCenter witness, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on, a, on the top of my head how much resources that takes up, but I would actually say, just put a VCenter witness on every SmartNik, uh if you have like one of those robo things. Um, the primary use case is to detect whether the, uh, the server fails. Um, and honestly, if you have redundant power um, supplies, and, um, well, that actually are two different power uh, feeds, uh, the, the primary thing that would fail is the OS, uh, so Vsware or something, or the, the storage controller. If those components fail, you would still have the SmartNIC and the witness. Um, to be able to t- detect what, what's going on. So I, w- I would say that, that that might be a good one,
0: yeah. Now, the other thing that's, uh, that throws into this is like, this is just the early days of this, right? And uh, every two years, CPUs get twice as fast. Um, I could just see where over time, you know, this will grow into the SmartNIC is just another compute resource in the fabric of of, of all the compute capability you have and the performance issues will go away uh, because every year it doubles pretty soon you're going to put the whole universe's payload on one small chip somewhere but um so it it could grow right like the use cases will grow as you know as the cpu memory and uh you know capability of arm chip grows uh but then how much do you want to pay for this functionality because everything costs money right so um yeah i but but I can see that, that you know if you would ask somebody this five years ago, they'd be like, "No, you're not going to ever do this." But you mm-hmm. know, now we have little ARM CPUs that can do it, and you can do it, and pretty soon the fabric is going to be, you know, ubiquitous.
2: Yeah, and I also think that um, like the benefits of these types of things uh, get first get proven out by the uh, the, the hyperscalers, um, uh, the companies like AWS. Um, and mostly because oh, AWS, where a lot of it,
1: it started, right? We're, yeah, the industry has started to regress. The big yeah. ones: AWS, Azure, whatnot, even GCP in some instances where they were doing their own hardware builds.
2: Yeah, AWS actually acquired a company called AnaPure now, I think I want to say um, back in 2016. Uh, and Annapurna is the, the, the company that made the specialized uh, ASICs. Um, I think it was based out of Israel. They made the, um, the chips that they're basically running their, um, their smart NICs on. Uh, and a year later, they started uh, pushing them out to their own fleets. Like, maybe you've heard of uh, AWS Nitro, um, mm-hmm. which is their concept of a networking hypervisor that runs on their smart and it basically means that they already do their, um, their, their security and their networking inside their SmartNIC fleet. Um, and they've done a really good job scaling that. And it, 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 the use case and the actual SmartNIC has proven itself with AWS, I would say. Uh, as you mentioned, Azure also uses it. They, they started using it to, uh, to optimize the Bing performance. Not that anyone uses that, but um, um, the, they're they're using it also for uh, network virtualization now in, in like regular Azure. Uh, so it's 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 spreading out, and once the hyperscalers start doing it, then you can see that some of these things trickle down to the enterprises. Um, it'll 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 take a while. I mean, we have to have the um, the management in place. We have to have the uh, the hardware in place. It needs to get cheaper. That's a big thing because they're pretty expensive right now. If you go to um,
1: what's a, I mean, what's a list on on even one of the smaller cards?
2: I have no idea. Uh, it's about twelve k uh, average, I think, per nick. of That's like four times as much as a uh, as a regular uh, like a regular one, I think. So uh, yeah, um, that needs to go right. down.
1: What can that do as far as your consolidation or? In both a couple of things, I'm I'm imagining now that we can start to offload workload from the CPU, where we can have now a higher consolidation even within the same CPU family, right? So what is there to say for for density now for for being able to on that 12K spend?
2: Yeah, it it would increase. I mean, you're offloading functions from the general CPU towards a a different CPU. You're increasing your CPU um, excuse me, rates, essentially, by adding the, the, that specialized uh, CPU. But right now, if you really wanted to make the business case, I don't think you would like really break even. You would pay more for the smart NICs. So. But uh, I would say let the hyperscalers buy a lot of them for, for now, uh, let, let them make it faster, quicker, like in a couple of years, it's double in speed. Uh, And once that that happens and that that trend, then it'll start to come down in price and uh, will be accessible to more and more people. And then also the good part is that if VMware um, finishes Project Monterey in time, then once the price gets reasonable, then we would also have the management software uh, um, to work it.
0: All right, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, all right, going through your article, uh, storage implementa- implementations. I don't think we've talked anything about that. Like, let's see, vSAN, uh, network traffic through vSAN. I don't know if there's worthwhile talking about any of that. Uh, a distributed storage system. You talk a little bit about that. Um, what do we need to know about distributed storage systems? And then you go to the H I mesh. Um, take a moment. Uh, why is that in your blog article?
2: Well, because these smart NICs also um, perform the task of storage controllers, or are able to, uh, at least. Um, so anyone familiar with like, the, uh, the CNA, the converged Network uh, Ethernet Adapters, um, that means that you would, you would have uh, fiber channel over Ethernet and uh, Ethernet in, in just one uh, port. Uh, just like Cisco UCS used to uh, used to do, they do it with their uh, uh, systems. I used to do Cisco UCS, not anymore. But um, um, so it's it's the functions are there. Um, the, uh, the 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 software is also there uh, uh, to be able to do storage over Ethernet towards the SmartNIC and then present it as a raw volume to the uh, to the US. So the U.S. thinks that it just has a hard disk plugged in, but it actually is a uh, is a um, it's a um, um, a SOM somewhere down the racks. Um, so that's there already, um, and the reason why that's also probably going to be important is because there is also purpose-built um, features in those ASICs for the storage. So it's a lot quicker than um, you would putting in your own NICs and then doing storage over uh, the network um, i don't have like exact percentages of that how, mu- how much quicker that is but i've been told that it's really significantly um, uh, faster uh, in, the, in the sense of processing the the, the, the storage i o um, and then the os just doesn't have to bother with it because it thinks it has a disk uh, attached to it um, to the storage controller um,
1: we got wireline speed in some instances, right? So for depending on what's on the back end. So I think you and you had pointed this out in your blog, like in more advanced technologies like NVMe over fabric, where you need that near wireline speed. I'm sure that this is going to help to facilitate that.
2: Yeah,. yeah. I like in the, the major uh, storage consuming enterprises, um, you would see um, racks and stacks of the fastest storage that you can imagine uh, plugged into. Um, right now, they're pretty much using RDMA um, OE also over Ethernet, just to make the the access um, the ability to access that storage a lot quicker because Ethernet just doesn't um, compare to RDMA. Typically, smart do, um, meaning that you can create that. That fabric, that storage fabric, you could make that a lot cheaper because Ethernet is a lot cheaper than DMA. Um, but you need to get the performance straight, right? So if the SmartNIC really delivers on that performance and does um, uh, the um, the equivalent of the like the uh, the direct attached storage or the um, the the RDMA storage, um, that would pretty much make it a lot cheaper to create those storage fabrics. That's why I called that out, but uh, I do think that needs uh, a lot of um, uh, development before we can actually get there and a lot of um, benchmarking and a lot of... Uh, sure, a lot of and, uh, Yeah, yeah. And by the way, AWS is also already doing that. Their um, Their storage, is offloaded to their smart NICs already. So there is a so use case.
1: Obviously, if we see the large hyperscalers as you brought up before, if this is what they're they're betting a key piece of their infrastructure for is the, the smart NICs and all of the things that it facilitates, we can definitely see that coming uh, to fruition down here to the enterprise and, and what we're trying to do with
2: private monitoring. I would say 100%, yeah.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, we are coming up on the top of the hour. We have a, f- a handful of minutes left here. So uh, the first thing I do want to sh- do a shout out is on your blog, you have learn more. You have some great references out there to go, you know, uh, click through. So uh, go to your blog. What's the blog URL again?
2: That's the uh, the lost domain.org. Lost domain.org. Have the just, okay. just lost domain.org.
0: Right, lostdomain.org. Go there, look at the article. You've got uh, links to, that that go to the. Uh Project Monterey, the announcements, uh, you have a link to the um, Pensando documents, which is also good. So uh, fairly comprehensive to go learn a little bit more about what's actually happening here, right? So uh, that's good. Uh, Did they talk about availability on on any of this? When we talk about a project, I always, I think fling, I talk about, yeah, we're gonna see it three years from now. is VMware talking about uh, allowing people to play with, with any of this yet?
2: Not yet, as far as I know. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get access myself and I work for VMware, so you can imagine how it is for <laughs> people outside. Um, but I do know that once a company like VMware announces something like this, they need to provide results into um, not too distant future. Um, So I I would expect maybe by the end of this year or something that they will be uh, in private beta, Um, at least that's my hope, Uh, and that we could maybe uh, uh, do next year VMworld, do a big announcement, but I'm I'm just guessing there. Sure.
0: All right. So the next question I have uh, for you is: Hardware vendors like HP, Dell, and others. Do you see them getting into this game as well? Right. So when I'm buying systems, I can get a smart neck integrated into the to the platform itself.
2: I think so, um, but uh, primarily the price has to come down before they actually start jumping on board. Because, like, servers is a bare minimum margin um, company uh, or a market, right? So they, they don't make a lot of money based on the actual equipment and things. Um, so if you put in a SmartNIC, the, the, the price of a, of a server would maybe triple in price. So I, I don't think um, that will happen right now. Um, it needs to come down in price. And then, I mean, at, at some point, you will just be able to, um, to buy a Dell um, a SmartNIC, I would assume yeah
0: yeah that, that. sure
2: a
1: rebranded dell smart neck right sure where, yeah. where they take base firmware and just like what they do with an hba or, or whatnot but to to bring that cost down and the acceptability yeah sure yeah. all
0: right uh that's a it's a, a good summary of uh what you got going i uh don't know if I have other questions on this, uh, Matt. Don't know if you have anything else that comes in your head. Uh, then we'll-
1: I do. It, it, it's an aside, but the
0: last time we had Martino, we
1: had talked about the Network Insight Cookbook and wanted to know what, uh, how any updates are coming along. Can we expect version two? What's the latest there?
0: I thought that was a book, a SAS book where he was constantly updating it and you just went, went and read it online. I, I thought, thought that was how that how that worked these days.
2: Yeah, that was the idea and uh, it, it's still coming along uh, don't get me wrong um, I had originally set my myself on a, a goal of updating it every six months at least and then adding a couple chapters on new use cases that fear and I was uh, was doing um, I'm about halfway with that update right now um, so I think I'll, I'll need another month or two before I can actually uh, push that that release um, I Kind of scaled down on the um, just pushing an update every single month because I want to make it a coherent story and I want to make it like relate to the rest of the book. Um, So yeah, if if you if you're looking for it, um, there's going to be a digital update uh, by um, let's say April uh, for at least um, yeah.
0: In the meantime, you can go get it on lostdomain.org right now. Right, you can just go pick, yeah. go go purchase it and check it out.
2: Yeah, there's a the d- digital form. Um, I use Leanpub as my publishing uh, platform, and that basically allows me to push new content whenever. Um, there's also a, a physical version on Amazon, but uh, honestly, if you want to get the updates, just go with Leanpub and save a couple of trees, maybe.
0: Excellent.
1: I mentioned it at the top of the hour, just out of pure curiosity, and I'm a great user, very, very appreciative of it here. Um, the Stream Deck plugin. What, what made you come up with that for Zoom? I think it's, if you look, if, for those that aren't familiar with the platform, so Stream Deck, it's a, it's a product made by Elgato. Uh, there's various different sizes of it. Uh, it's OLED programmable function keys. Um, it's really turned into its own ecosystem there's so many different plugins and, and key codes and macros that you can run for various different devices and and things like OSB and, and whatnot. Uh, but my team has written a plugin that allows your status to be switched very quickly within Zoom, regardless of what what Zoom window you have open. And it's one of the most popular downloads available for Stream Deck. So what's a little bit of background there as we, as we have five minutes here and we're trying to finish up?
2: yeah that, that was actually um kind of so I, I I'm an automation nut that that that's that's one uh, I don't like to do things twice or if I do have to do it twice I need to be able to do it very quickly by just adding one button or whatever uh, so joe backley um the the EMEA cTO for VMware uh, put put me on a stream deck in order to um, to do some things with just uh, sh- switching lights on and off my mute button um, uh, the uh, the audio uh, all of that Um, but i was also spending i don't know maybe six hours a day in zoom or something this was pandemic like uh, height Uh, and i was very very getting very annoyed by having to find the zoom window and then clicking mute and 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 being able to talk and then missing the opportunity to talk uh, because of course you're multitasking right i mean you're not just paying attention to the Zoom. No, you're doing other other things. <clears throat> um, so I, I I looked into that and I, I, I saw that they had a pretty pretty simple SDK um, and you were able to um, uh, to automate the uh, the Zoom window with um, like Apple scripts as well just by simulating to press a button on the Zoom clients. Um, and kind of one thing led to another. So I, I, I was bored for a, for an evening or something, and I had a working prototype. Um, and it, it it just helps me so much. So my my secret is I just build stuff for myself, and other people that seem to like it as well. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I'm I'm all, almost past the 25,000 downloads now on the uh, on the on the gato. App store, I think it's, it, it's just exploded that this, this was like um, a cool thing to do, but yeah. <laughs> kind of so it of really
1: turned into something. I'm sure a lot of us are out there, obviously 25,000, some, that, that use it every day. Thank you.
2: You're welcome.
0: That is Martine number eight. let alone the vExpert app and all the stuff you do with the vExpert program as well it's like I don't know crazy crazy yeah
2: that's my time five uh five
0: yeah exactly exactly all right with, with that uh Matt uh uh we'll do a V barbecue report here in a second. Cause I heard something about a brisket, but uh, Martine, thanks a lot for coming on the show as always. It's good to, good to see you and thanks for all the work you do in the V community and all the stuff that you're doing. It's fun, super cool. Um, I'm glad they got your power back up. I mean, uh, the European stock market fell by one percent because they heard all 20 Martins were out of out of out of power, which is the one way to shut this guy up and not let him do anything is take away his power. So I'm glad you're 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 plugged in. Thanks for coming on the show, uh, Matt. V um, barbecue report. Were you serious? You put a brisket on, or were you just saying that? I-
1: I did. I put a brisket on. It's on right now. It, it smells absolutely um, delicious in the house. I can't wait to dive in. I've changed the rub around a little this time. So we'll see how this progresses. But I can't wait. I'm
0: on my annual January no barbecue, no food. Uh, every year I kind of do this at the beginning of the year. I go, wait, I put on another ten pounds. This can't be happening. So, like for January, I basically fast, right? You know, you eat a little salad and uh, maybe a trim little, it on map. Yeah, trim yeah. it on map. Exactly, and just. Uh, and then go for January and maybe into February until I, you know, I drop 40 pounds or 30 pounds and then I then I do it again. So no V-barbecue for me this in January. Some people do no alcohol in January. I do no food in January, no barbecue in January. But uh, I'll be thinking of you, Matt, while you're tearing into that, that brisket. I'll send pictures. Perfect. All right, guys, thanks a lot for coming on a Friday. Appreciate it as always. Great show. I learned some stuff. Uh, We'll be back again next week uh, with a new technical guest. And uh, until then, have a great weekend. See you again.